from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023. Thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice. The Players Club. Powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning. All electric and built Ford Tough. I'm the new fool in town and my sound's laid down by the underground. There you are. Here we are. Training Camp 2023 is on the air. Thanks to Ting Internet. If you live in Centennial, make Ting your light speed internet provider for as low as $89 a month. Go to ting.com slash centennial for more info. It's a hump day, Orlando. Orlando Franklin's in the house. Chad Brown's not. He's going to be attending practice today. We're going to have him on the line at 1130 to tell us what's going on over there. But what's going on here, man? How you doing, Al? I'm good, dude. Um, just excited to get back in the thick of things, man. Had to, had to go to the East Coast, take care of some stuff. I, I was at a NFL wraparound event where they kind of it's the NFL PA put on by former players. You, you sit there, they start talking to you about your benefits and how to mm. kind of activate those things. Um, for me, when I retired, Nate, I, I didn't really look into my benefits. I just yeah. knew that we had five years of the health insurance with Cigna. Right. And about two months ago, I got a call saying that your insurance is getting ready to run out. Yeah. So uh, we're kicking you to the curb. So for me, it was very important to get over there and figure out exactly what we can and can't do in regard to our uh, benefits that we have acquired while playing the game of football. So it's not just the it's not just the healthcare. There's a lot of other stuff involved, right? Yeah, uh, pretty pretty intensive sort of it, like sessions. Like how many different like off the top of your head, how many different benefits are available for players? Um, off the top, there, there's a lot. There's, right? a lot of there, stuff, there's right? yeah, depending on what you need. Yeah, right? depending on kind of what you need, right? I mean, there's a, another plan that you could use a certain amount of it each and every year to pay for health insurance. Mm, right. Then there's a different plan, completely separate, that you know pays up to like uh, I think it's about like twenty thousand dollars a year of like preventative medicine, preventative yep. care type of thing. Um, they're offering like this study that you could kind of do once every five years where they pay for you to fly in you get kind of all the medical and the probing and poking they kind of do a full body workup and kind of keep track of your body over time and i think they're trying to be a little bit more proactive and some of these guys bodies have been deteriorating or just seeing what's going on with their brain over time you know if there has been some traumatic brain injuries while playing the game and playing in the nfl yeah i'm thinking about so your five years is just up and then are you going to do cobra for 18 months can you do that you buy into cobra yeah, so I'll do COBRA. Um, so my benefits that will cover it for another five years. Yeah. Okay. As far as the money that I have specifically in that account. That they Talk about were, the HRA, the health HRA. reimbursement account. Yeah. Yep. So it'll take care of about right under five years. It's, um, it's, it's literally like four years and three quarters of a year. So we'll start kicking that in um, in September because that's when my five years is up. There's a lot of different opportunities for you to get coverage in different ways. So the five years and then you get to the H- HRA account account in which $25,000 per year that you played is put into this account that you can draw from for medical expenses as you go forward. Um, that's what I'm That's what I'm using right now to pay my health care. There's also that that it's $25,000 per year in preventative care and, and different stuff. And, you know, if you need a surgery, you can have it. And, and that's a yearly thing as well. That's new. That's within the last two years they created that. Yeah. So that was in response to all these, the kind of the overwhelming needs of former, these older, old old former players who didn't have the HRA accounts, no. you know, who, who are like in their 60s and, and are really, really struggling. Um, they could cure all that by just creating 
one health care plan for former players, and that's it. Yeah, I think where the NFL falls short right now, honestly, is because a lot of things that are decided on for former players, former players don't get a real voice in that. Yeah. It's the current players. It's the guys that are playing right now. And if you're a current guy, um, what are you going to you know, be uh, interested in? Are you going to be interested in former guys? Or are you going to be interested in, like, okay, what can I get right now to set yourself up for later? Right. So I, I think where the NFL falls short is just we need to figure out, like, how to have, like, an alumni association that's, that's kind of a part of the NFLPA but also gets to vote and they get almost an equal share, especially with all these Hall of Fame guys and how much revenue is brought to the NFL from these different guys that have, wear these right. gold jackets now. So, uh, you know, that was something that I brought up in the meeting yesterday while I was out there in D.C. And, you know, they say... Yeah, you know, we'll look into it, right? And, and you know, but right. right now, I think that the, the harsh reality is like there are some good benefits, and um, you know, the the best way to put it is they they you might need twenty five dollars. They're not going to give you the whole twenty five, but they'll give you five, maybe even oh, okay. ten, right? <laughs> right. Of, of that twenty five, and and that's kind of how it's designed right now for the former players. Yeah, the the current NFL was built on the backs of our former legends, right? And those guys didn't have the benefits packages back then. The salaries weren't even that great back then. So a lot of them are, uh, you know, don't have money and, and they have a lot of medical expenses. I wonder in other professions, because there's an argument about do players deserve lifetime health care if they played in the NFL? If, if you're working at another job and you get hurt on that job, they, they take care of that, right? I mean, do, do they take care of that for life? Maybe, maybe the, um, the RamosLock.com could, uh, text line can help us out on this one. If you work a job, you get hurt on that job, and that injury bothers you the rest of your life, does that job pay for that uh, injury the rest of your life? Are they on the hook for that? Do you think they should be? Because the job descriptions in football injures your body, no matter what. You talked about the 100% injury rate, right? Yeah. And so if you are going to get, like, they hand you a helmet yeah. when you get to work. That's a bad sign. It's yeah. probably going to be dangerous. Yeah, and, and the thing that it's crazy because guys play in different places. So, you know, when you get hurt, you got to kind of file a claim in that specific place. Mm, yeah. Each workman's complaint claim is different. Right. Um, a guy yesterday gave an example because he deals with a lot of workman's comp stuff. He talks about, you know, hockey players. And it, with hockey, a lot of guys lose teeth. So mm, there was this yeah. one situation where he had one player that played in New Jersey and their like laws and stuff in New Jersey were hey, they don't care they just give you fifteen hundred dollars per tooth and and that's it <laughs> where hey, you know this guy was looking into getting veneers and he could uh, not get teeth replacement dang. through the teeth, the teeth that he lost in uh, New Jersey but then he lost like two other teeth in New York and like New York allotted way more so like he could get the two veneers from New York but he can't get the he has to get like the little flip. In New Jersey. That's so wild. Right? So it's wild because it throws you off as far as having to file claims in different places where you're playing. It's not just where, you know, you were playing that season. It's where you got hurt. <sighs> yeah. A lot, there's a lot on that bone here because, you know, um, like we said, 100% injury rate. You're going to get hurt playing this game. How do you care for it after the fact? Some guys get permanently damaged after one playing one game in the NFL. How do you take care of those guys? What about the college guys who are permanently damaged because of the game they played? How do you take care of those guys? Most of the time, you're on your own, and it's about the love of the game. That's why you play the sport, but the consequences um, do last a lifetime. All right, guys. 
If you're out here at camp, stop on by the denversports.com zone and grab a bottle of water thanks to our friends at Gravinas. Camp is winding down. We're not going to be here much longer. Um, the, the Broncos did play a game. We have, we have some evidence about what kind of team this is going to be. I want to get into uh, your thoughts on the preseason game that the Broncos lost to the Cardinals 18-17. Also, Coach Sean Payton had some interesting things to say about the kicker situation. We'll get into that next. From the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023. Thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice. The Players Club. Powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning. All electric and built for tough. Welcome back to the Players Club on a Wednesday update. Before we get into the Denver Broncos and this uh, preseason game against the Cardinals, I want your take on it, though. Um... Just want to touch on something, guys, because it's been heartbreaking to watch the news coming out of Maui this week. And unfortunately, here in Colorado, we're all too familiar with the damage of wildfires. Our company, Bonneville, has launched a fundraiser to help the people of Maui. Head to denversports.com. And at the top of the page, you'll see a link to the Bonneville Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund. 100% of the donations will go to the Hawaii Community Founding <coughs> Foundation serving Maui. Again, that's the Bonneville Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund at denversports.com. All right, oh, 18 to 17, the Broncos lost the Arizona Cardinals. What, what were your takeaways from that game? Um, so I got, a, I got a couple questions for you because, you know, obviously, you know, I watch the game of football through an offensive line's lenses. Right? Oh, so I'm watching the offensive line play. Yeah. I'm watching the offensive line play when the Broncos are on defense. I'm watching, you know, which defensive players are whooping up on the other team's offensive line. But that's where my eyes are drawn first. Um, I thought this team struggled in pass protection. I, I am worried. This is something that I've been telling us and saying for the last couple of weeks because, you know, individually they should have been a lot further ahead, in my view, when they came into training camp and where they were. Uh, the run game stuff, it wasn't a, a great day on the ground running the football. But at the same time, for me, you know, those things will come with game plan, with, you know, keep on working out there on that practice field. They got, what, 25 days before they open up against the Las Vegas Raiders. So they'll be able to make a lot of leaps forward in the run game offensive line-wise. Um, then you kind of move to Russ. I thought Russ was okay. I thought he was even good at times. You know, I'm not going to sit here and bash Russ. I think Russ is suffering a lot from the 10 guys that are around him. I don't necessarily think that the wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs were running balls to the wall in the passing game every single play and stressing out of a defense, mm. which that makes it gets me frustrated because that's an effort thing. So for me, Nate, you know, you tell me. Big deal or little deal when you see, you know, a play called up and these guys are running these routes and you don't see all five guys stressing the hell out of that defense. Yeah, that's just a, a new offense and they're not sure about where they're supposed to be or how it's supposed to look. You know, and uh, a lot of times and I heard Sting talking about a shallow cross. You're coming across the field. And if it's man, you keep running. If it's zone, you sit down outside that tackle box. But if you're not sure what if it's man or it's zone or what zone it is or where you're at and how it relates to the other uh, routes, you don't know. You throttle down. You look like you're confused out there. And that, that might have been some of the stuff you saw with these wide receivers. Just a little confused about what their conversions are. So you could you could get taught this, this play. And I know I'm supposed to run a post here, but what do I run the? Po- How do I run the post if they roll coverage into you know uh, cover four last minute, or they roll down and do two man last minute? These are things you have to drill out there on the practice field before you commit them to memory. And so a lot of times, you, you know, you think you put in 
the play, and then you go out on the field in the game, and they give you a look you're not ready for, or you, or that you haven't seen in practice, and you can see that in the body language of the receivers when they run the route. But this is my thing. It, it, like, it's it's not an effort thing, because for me, when I look at that thing, Nate, it, what jumps out to me is like effort. It what, requires what? no talent. What play and in particular I, are you talking I'm about? I'm talking about majority of the passive okay. plays, where it's not all five guys. You know, all five guys stressing out defense. Like, okay, I got, I'm, I'm doing some stuff, college football this year. So hey. I've been watching a lot of college ESPN football. Guy. Yeah, I've been yeah. watching a lot of college football in the morning, right? Okay. Okay. Just getting ready for that. But, you know, when I see like a trick play work or when I see these college plays work, it's typically because all five guys are running like I'm the number one option. I'm getting the ball. Yeah. And I don't see that. So I, I get what you're saying as far as, hey, what coverage we're playing. But isn't there like a duty to your football team before that? And, and that's a effort thing to make it look like that you could get the ball. You always talk about the, you know, telling a, a story with your body, yeah. a different story. And, and that's not really kind of what I'm seeing. When I look at it, it's like, okay, these three guys look like the story they're telling, they might get the football. But these two guys, the story what they're telling with their body is that they're not even in the progression. Yeah, I think it's a challenge to get young receivers to understand that big picture, how important every route is in painting that picture. And sometimes, you know, in practice, it never goes to the backside. It never goes to this one. It's always going to these two guys. And so you get comfortable as a receiver believing that in the game it's going to be the same. It's not in the, in the game. In a game, all bets are off. And that's why the difference between practice and a game as a receiver can be pretty stark because the looks that they try to dial up for you out here uh, as an offensive player – on defense don't always happen in the game man and the defensive players on the other team they don't play it like the defensive players on the scout team out here you know what i mean and so a lot of times a route that was never open or never even looked at in practice is the actual one that should be thrown in the game and depending on your quarterback some quarterbacks don't even look over there like the tom brady's and aaron Rodgers of the world they do they see the whole field so every single guy must be ready but that could be an indictment on what they believe russell wilson's vision is about out there. If Russell, every day of practice, is dialed into the one read that he's supposed to be throwing it to, yeah. it's either that or he ditches it or runs, then the other guys might think, well, it ain't coming to me. And so is man- that a young guy mentality? Is that a other yeah, guy thinking like, hey, you know, it ain't coming to me? Or can we fix this with coaching? Oh, yeah, you can. But I think it's just very early to watch that unroll okay. because, you know, you, you got to drill new things, new habits into these players, um, new understanding of the big picture. You see Sean Payton pull these guys aside or, or bring everybody together during practice quite often to explain some big picture idea, you know, and he stops practice and brings him in and wants to tell him what's going on. That's what he's ta- talking about, the big picture of a play. Don't just memorize your rule. Don't just memorize what you're doing. Understand why you're doing what you're doing and how that affects the whole the whole puzzle. And I think that'll that'll start to come together. Yeah. I just want to see these guys run to win. Yeah. You know, I remember hearing that in college. I remember hearing that in my time in the NFL. Run that route to win. Even if you're on the backside, even if you think that yeah, it can't it can't possibly come to you. Some of the greatest NFL plays in the history of the game have came on stuff that it's not supposed to go to that person. Right. You know, we all remember this past year the George Kittle play where he's blocking on the line of scrimmage and then he runs down the middle of the field and he like triple catches it in traffic uh, and you know, Brock Purdy finds him. He wasn't even on, he wasn't even on that route. But he realized that, oh, goodness, the ball hasn't been thrown yet. I got to get out and give my quarterback another option. But he ran that route to win. If he's not running that route to win, he doesn't even pop or flash in the quarterback's vision. Yeah, so, you know, 
my my tight end coach Tim Brewster, who's the tight end coach at CU now, mm-hmm. one of his sayings was, "Attitude and effort are non negotiable." You should be going one hundred percent all the time, right? There yeah. should that should be the easy part of football. Maybe you don't know what you're doing, or or maybe you're a little unsure, but at least go one hundred miles an hour, at least go all out. But when I when I hear about you know and see receivers not doing that, to me it means they're in their heads. Yeah, they're for me in, it's not just the receivers though; it's the tight yeah. ends right now, okay. the running backs coming out the backfield as well. Oh, really? So they're just like you know just lazy, like half assing it basically. I, you know, when you're on a bad football team, I in my opinion when you like. Like, you can't just roll it out there and expect, you know, other guys to go out there and make plays. Right now, we look at this Bronco team. They're already down a wide receiver, right, in Tim Patrick. Yeah. Right? He was supposed to be a big part of this plan. So who steps up in this role? It doesn't have to be, you know, Marlon Mims Jr. in that third wide receiver spot or Brandon Johnson in that third wide receiver spot. It could be collectively. It could be in the tight end room. It could be in the running back room. It could be all the, the third wide receiver or the fourth wide receiver, in my opinion. And that all is basically effort. And, you know, making sure that you stay alive and making sure that you pop out on film. Because even if you're running that route in the game and you're not a part of the progression, maybe an idea pops in the coach's head while he's watching the game and say, man, look at Samaji Piran coming out the backfield, kicking this linebacker's butt on this wheel route. Like, we got to drop a play now to where we could get this exact same situation because he's showing us that he's going to win on this route even when he's not a part of the progression. Yeah, it, I was going to ask you because I was on the drive yesterday talking with DMAC about this. Zach Streif, he's a first-year coach. How is that affecting his ability to get through to these guys? I mean, obviously he knows the system, he knows technique and stuff, but you're talking about effort. You know, you're just talking about want to. Is there is there a learning curve for a guy like him to get his guys to play hard? Heck no. You are an NFL coach. This is not the Little League. Um, guys in the NFL, in my opinion, you – the, the hardest job is to find out, the hardest job of a coach is, is to find out what motivates a guy. What motivates me, Nate, versus what motivates you is completely different. When I was in college, I did not want to stretch, right? I'd rather <laughs> go out there and run, right? We used to have, like, these yoga sessions for 20 minutes, um, two days before the game, so on a Thursday. And I would tell coach, hey, man, let me go get, get downstairs and get some extra conditioning in. And he'd let me because for me, I wanted to play down the field. So what motivates you? What like, what type of game do you want to play? And then it's now up to the coach to, to take that and, and figure out how to highlight that. So for me, when you look at purely effort, that's a part of the man. That's a part of the, 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 the guy's makeup. If a guy has it or not, I don't think a coach could get you to play fast all the time. It's either that's how you do it or that's how you don't. Sean Payne's got some things to clean up, uh, but that's what preseason is for, making those mistakes, putting them on film, going back in the room and watching them, and then trying not to make them again. And if attitude and effort are part of that, uh, that, that's not going to fly. you got to go out there and sell out in preseason. It's okay if you make a mental mistake that we can clean up. The effort, flying around. That's got to be there no matter what. Guys, we are live here from Training Camp 2023 in the DenverSports.com zone. Thanks to our friends from Con Construction, commercial general contractor specializing in tenant improvement and design build projects for over three decades. That's Con, K-A-H-N, Construction.com. You know who knows everything about the Denver Broncos? Orlando? Who's that? Mike Kliss. He'll join us next. 
Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023. Thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice. The Players Club. Powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning. All electric and built Ford Tough. Randy. We're here live from Training Camp 2023 in the DenverSports.com zone. Thanks to our friends from Randy Ross Tennis Center. Beautiful tennis center right behind us where I'm sitting right now across from training camp. My wife's there right now. Oh, is that right? Yeah, doing drills right now. All right. Cool, <laughs> is she going to come join us on the show after? <laughs> no chance. That would be fun. All right. We uh, we welcome in our nine news Broncos insider right now on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline, Mike Kliss. Welcome, Mike. So camp is winding down. Um, we haven't had you on since, tra- I'm sorry, since preseason, um, the game against the Cardinals. They lost 18-17. What were your main takeaways from that game, Mike? There, You know, preseason games are divided into two parts, really. When the starters play, that's one story. And then uh, when the backups play, that's, uh, that's another story. And the... the what you can take away from that is the Broncos starters going against the number two uh, looked rough for most of it, but Sean Payton threw them out there for that four series. The defense did, did well. They gave up some first downs on their first drive, and then Singleton made a play uh, to prevent the third first down, or, or that defense might have been a little different, uh, you know, story, narrative. The uh, offense... You know, it's you guys have talked about it. Uh, this whole station has talked about it quite a bit. But uh, that four series, Russ looked really good. And now the question is, you know, is it a struggling team that finally figured out how to beat a bunch of second stringers, or is it something to build on? And uh, you know, it's part of the process for getting better. And I guess uh, we'll find out a little bit more uh, this Saturday against the Forty ers Mike, you've been around for it all. Um, you've seen back in the day some training camps with Mike Shanahan, then, you know, the John Fox era to the, to the Coops, and then uh, VJ, and then Uncle Vic, and then um, who was here last year? Nathaniel Hackett. And now you see Sean Payton. And what? They have two more practices left for training camp for the Broncos that are really open up to the public. Just want you to compare this year's training camp to camps that you kind of seen in the past. Like, what what do you think of Sean Payton's first training camp as a Denver Broncos head coach? Yeah, it's similar. The the closest one to it was Vic Fangio's first year. You know, Fangio in 2019, he had pads on. I, I think they changed the rule a little bit, but he was in pads. I think every practice that he could, uh, I I think it was like 13 in a row. You can't do that anymore. You can't have uh, more than three in a row. Um, So it was like that. And then in 20, they, you know, you had the COVID year and um, that was, that was a lot different. 21 uh, was, uh, he ramped it up a little bit, but not to the extent that Sean Payton is now or Vic had in 19. Uh, this has uh, been a lot of pads, uh, pretty physical. Uh, there were some uh, there were some injuries early, but not so much late. And you know, it, you had some a bunch of guys on the field, the side field the other day, but that's because of you know soreness and tweaks from the game, the preseason game. But really, major injuries uh, happened early. Patrick Riley Moss. 
uh, Jonas Griffith. And, um, you know, it, it just makes you wonder the way the, the way it's set up, guys, you have OTAs and, and mini camp and conditioning for nine weeks in the spring. Then everybody takes five and a half weeks off and then they come back and they start training camp again. And, uh, you know, and they, and there's no real, you know, com, com, compared to how they eased in back in March or April, uh, there's not really a great ease in period, uh, to training camp. And, uh, you know, I always wondered why they did that, but, uh, you know, I think they've settled in now. Bodies are getting callous. I sense that we're now maybe officially into the dog days of, uh, of training camp. Uh, when, you know, I include next week with the joint practices of the Rams, um, so they're, they're, this is definitely the grind period right now, and we'll see how that affects the Broncos as, as far as their preparation for September 10th against the Raiders. Mike, relative to the difficulty of training camp, Sean Payton spoke yesterday about uh, how training camp used to be. He talked about 2006 when he first got to New Orleans and uh, the ice buckets and the science wasn't there, the recovery. It was double days and pads, and, and, and it was taking them to the wall and – developing that callus and building a tough squadron of football players. This guy's from the Parcells model of football, right? And so the way he was talking, it seemed to me he was crediting a lot of the success of the Saints to that difficult, um, physical, long training camp style. Does that put him in a little bit of a bind here with the restrictions um, placed on these camps? And also the fact that you are light years behind the Chiefs. How do you catch up to a team like the Chiefs or even the Chargers with a limited camp opportunity to, to get better and get out there and figure out who you got on your team. Yeah. First of all, you started that, um, that question with, uh, relative to, hey, I, I heard him yesterday do a nice, <laughs> do a nice imitation of Sean Payton. Thank you. Thank and, uh, you had a lot of relative twos. Uh, you're pretty good. Nate. That was, that was, that was pretty good. Thanks, Mike. Um, but yeah, I, I think as far as let's, let's jump to catching up to the chiefs and, and the Chargers, I do think Sean Payton is whatever the rules allow. And it's not as much as it used to, but he still uses all he's allowed. And, um, you know, practices are, you know, they're, they're about 220 is what they've been. You know, uh, Shanahan and, uh, and Kubiak were more in the hour 45 minute modes, weren't they, Nate? That's kind of what I remember. Um, occasionally, uh, two hours. But uh, it was high speed. Everything was high speed with Shanahan and Kubiak. Yeah. But um, we got to it a little bit faster, as... though. These guys take an hour to really get into any sort of consequential team periods. You know, we uh, we warmed yeah. up and then we got to it within the first thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah, that always amazed me how high speed it was right away uh, in the Shanahan era. But um, by the way, uh, we're all uh, waiting here. It should yeah. be about. You guys should be on the air when the. Uh, the Hall of Fame announcement is made. Oh, great! On the uh, on the coach and uh, contributor finalist, and uh, Shani is uh, Shani is amongst the uh, amongst the serious discussions, from what I understand, but not the only one. So we'll see how it turns out for him. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think he's going to get this team as prepared as he can. Sean Payton is. I think they there's a chance. Maybe they are a little more prepared than the Chiefs and the Chargers. 
for the regular season. The problem is Mahomes is on the Chiefs and Herbert is on the uh, Chargers. Russell Wilson does look better. He does. I, I, I think he looks better this year, guys. But um, he's not, you know, if, if you had to pick a team and you had to pick a quarterback, you'd take Mahomes in this division. You'd take Mahomes first and Herbert second. Yeah. So um, that's something that Sean Payton's going to have to figure out how to win without without a top five quarterback. And um, I think he can. I think he has uh, before when Drew Brees was down at times with New Orleans. Um, you know, good coaches can figure out how to win without necessarily a top five quarterback and see if Sean Payton can do it here this year. Mike, um, Sean Payton strikes me as a coach that coaches with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. You know, I know he talked about starters playing 15 to 18 snaps, and when it went out, when they went out there, it didn't really look that great. So the, I think what the starters got four series against Arizona, yeah. but also I just remember like the Jerry Judy drop and let's go for it. We're going for it on fourth down, and Broncos being able to catch that team, that Arizona Cardinals team, in a, in a zero blitz right there for an easy touchdown. Is you know, coaching with a, with a chip on your shoulder and being a little bit more aggressive necessarily good for this football team that's trying to find its culture? Yeah, I, I do. I do think so. You know, the defense had two nice – had two, uh, two punts. Took a while, but they got two punts. And uh, we're at 15 plays, so call it. Uh, the offense, after three series, was at 14 plays. And so it was right there. We all thought that would be it. And, uh, had he, you know, I, I thought that was a good decision by Peyton. Um, had he, had he called it right there after the third series, uh, you know, there, there would have been kind of a depressed, demoralized feeling of here we go again, uh, you know, around this team. And, um, by sending him uh, back out there, he did say that he wanted them to get a little confidence. You don't know they're going to score a touchdown. Um, the, the fourth down play was really kind of a no-brainer no to go for it there um, because, you know, they were having field goal issues uh, by them. And so uh, they, they missed two. Uh, they were long ones, but they missed two. And, um, you know, they did get the hot. You know, it was fourth and four, all blitz, and they got – Judy was in the slot, and he was the hot, and it was all she wrote. It, it was easy. And that changed the whole story of the of the preseason, I thought. And so now, what does it mean going forward? I, you know, I Russ seems like he was confident all week so far. Uh, he's had two good practices. Uh, he did he did almost throw a pick on the last uh, – on the last team period uh, yesterday, but before that, he was he was you know really throwing the ball with mustard, uh, with with authority, on time, on target, and so he looks like he's got a little bit of mojo back. That's what I detect here uh, since that game. So we'll see, we'll see how uh, you know what the Forty ers throw at him. Uh, I doubt, uh, I'm not sure what Kyle Shanahan does. I don't think he plays the starters. I think he plays them some, but not a whole bunch. Probably depends on the joint practices, um, where he is that way with a, with a joint practice schedule. Um, but I think with the Broncos that this will be, uh, just another test 
but guys, it's still, you know, we're, you're still almost uh, a month away um, from the first game that counts. And it seems like they're moving toward improvement, you know, a little bit. Every four or five days you, you see some improvement. And so uh, it's going to be interesting. I think, uh, I think uh, you know, Sean Payton has, uh, um, has his methods. And um, they're tough. You, you got to be tough-minded. You got to be uh, physical, um, you know, with your body. But I think it's going to make them. There's a chance it's going to be a stronger, tougher team in 2023, and, and stronger and tougher than they've been in a while. Great stuff, Mike. Relative to this interview, we appreciate you joining us as usual, buddy. <laughs> All right, guys, Mike. go get them. All right, there he goes, Mike Kliss, 9 News, Broncos Insider on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. Our broadcast from Training Camp 2023 is powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning, all electric and built for tough. It's to my right right now and is powering this whole operation. All right, uh, you and I weren't here yesterday, Orlando, but Matt Smith and Chad Brown were, and Matt was crying about Brandon McMahon is not being here anymore. Man, what are we going to do? B-Mac's gone because... Brett Brett Maher missed a couple kicks in the game. Sean Payton had some really interesting things to say about the kicking situation. We're going to hear from Sean next. Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023. Thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Getting set for today's practice. The Players Club. Powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning. All electric and built Ford Tough. Welcome back to the DenverSports.com zone. Across the street from training camp. If you're on your way to training camp here, make sure you don't do that U-turn at, uh, at Potomac. I don't see any cops right now, but we've been seeing people get pulled over for the last several weeks there. Don't do it. Just just go around the block. It's not that big of a deal. The, the first hour of practice is not that consequential. Anyway, we're talking to Mike about that, how they really use the first hour to sort of warm up, ramp up, do mental reps and things like that. Um, all right, so... Oh, we're going to get into this kicking situation, but you had you had some you had some things you just wanted to say. You, you told me you can't believe I don't get manis and petties. Yeah, like I just can't believe the other day when I cut on these airways, and I think I don't, I don't know what I was doing. I might have been doing the drive that day. Yeah, but you, you and Chad were having a discussion about manis and petties, and and you were just like bagging on them, and just like, well, that's, that's not the man thing to do, it's and not. all the these different things. And Nate, I mean. You know, Chad said that what he started to get them at fifty or or in the late forties or something yeah, I think like that. So, yeah, you Chad know, Brown. I'm 35, Nate. I, if my wife asked me like, "Hey, do you want to go get a Manny and a Petty today?" I'm not turning that down. I, I take yeah. a look at my fingernails and I'm like, "Yeah, let's do it." But typically, my wife does cut my toenails. Your wife um, cuts your toenails. Yeah, you, you can't yeah, reach my, down that far. Um, no, I actually got a really bad toe infection when I was oh. coming out of college, mm. and uh, my whole rookie year, like my my big toe was split in half. It was just nasty and gross. Your, your toe was split in half. Or yeah, toenail. I dealt with the the my like toe like the, the toenail and the side of the toe, just absolutely gross. Like yummy. Dealt with that infection <laughs> for a year and a half. Mm. Um, it wasn't until after my second year in the league where I had to have shoulder surgery, and it was so bad. The doctor, Dr. Bobic, was like, hey, we got to fix your toe yeah. before fixing your shoulder because your chance of infection with having shoulder surgery goes up drastically because of what you have going on with your toe. So um, since then, you know, it's either my wife 
clipped my toenails because I messed up and cut them too short and ended up getting that infection when I was in high, when I was in college. Or yeah, if you ask me, we, do I want to go get a mani pedi? I'm looking down at these fingers and those dogs and those toes, and if they're looking bad. I'm, of course, I'm signing up for that. What color do you have them paint them? I don't have them paint them any color, but Red, I have. I've had yellow. them paint a, a, a flat white before, like a <laughs> matte clear. Ooh. I've done that before. Yeah. yeah. So it just sparkles a little bit? No, no it doesn't sparkle at all. Just it's just, just a little bit just, light? No, it's matte. It's just matte, you know. It's just a little dull, you know. How you how you sand, little sandpaper. Yeah, it actually makes your you. nails and cuticles look uh, that much better. Yeah, cuticles. I said cuticles on these airways, absolutely. As you sure, you, yeah. you have beautiful <laughs> cuticles. <Brad. laughs> oh, I probably should have been getting pedicures back in the day because my toes were were messed up when I was playing. I, I would get ingrown toenails all the time, just like the routes. You're you're digging your feet in the torque. My my toenails were a mess, man. I used to have to dig those things out. I'd be like uh, with a foot in the in the in the sink with like you know a cutting tool Ooh, underneath it just like <laughs> dig it out yeah it was brutal man just get it in there but that's just like wow, part of this is graphic it was part of my process man I enjoyed it I like enjoy the pain that exists uh, in life mm, so do I yeah you know I, I miss it every single day you know I I, I miss playing on you know, that football field. Yeah, uh, I know. Well, if you ever want to feel pain again, man, I can give you that pedicure. That, give me, get that pedicure from you. Let you dig it on out. I could use a crude cutting tool. Yeah, like a butter knife or something. Uh, well, I don't miss. I, I don't think I like just isolated pain on the toe. But right. you know, I could take some shoulder hits and some body blows. Still, but so, so how how was your body feeling? Because you talked about this weekend. You man, were I at, feel awesome. You do. <laughs> I feel great. I wish I would have lost the weight immediately right after I, I retired. You did I, it pretty I, soon, though, man. I, it's within I, five years you I, play, right? Yeah, I wasted two years, though. Eh. Wasted two years of just not being serious about it. At one point, you know, when I, for, when I stopped, like, drinking, I was 350 pounds. Wow. I had a 10-minute routine for my back that I would, like, a stretch routine each and every morning that I had to wake up and do. And... Just my knees were shot. And I remember, like it was yesterday, we were walking around in our neighborhood, and, and my son Zaid was on his bike. He was on his bike with his train wheels, and, and a car was coming, and he was about 20 feet away from me. Dude, it took everything that I had to get to him, mm. like, before this car came around the corner. And I was like, yeah, this doesn't and it, and it hurt. Every step hurt. And I was just like, this ain't going to work anymore. I got to drop this weight. Yeah, the offensive lineman, man, you gotta, you guys have to lose weight. Like, how many 350-pound, 80-year-olds do you see around? Not a lot. Not a lot. I don't even think there are, and if they are around, they're in their house, so that's yeah. why we don't see them. Yeah, they're, they're not going outside. Yeah. All right, so the Denver Broncos have a situation at kicker. They let B-Mac go because he brought that on himself. He made that bed, and now he's gone. But they're trying to find a suitable replacement. It, it, Elliot Fry just got cut. And Brett Maher went 0 for 2 in the game. Here's Sean Payton talking about, uh, well, the kicker situation. With Elliot, it was just a poll. It's, it's nothing significant. And we'll go day to day with where we're at with the kickers. I've said this to you guys before, you know, Brett had a good day today. He's competing. He's competing with himself because he's got 31 other teams. Now, there's probably seven teams that have a, a real kicking battle. And so he's competing with the those guys that come out of those clubs. And that doesn't discount us, possibly, if we wanted to bring in another player. Yep, so that's how he got, they got Will Lutz yeah. in the first place. So um, very likely 
the kicker's not on this roster, and it could be on one of those seven teams, whoever he's talking about. Yeah, Elliot Fry was in a really crappy situation. You know, going into this thing, we said it on these airways that I, I know I've said it. I don't believe that the Denver Broncos kicker this year is on the roster at this point. And now you hear Champagne and confirming that there are seven real kicker battles that are going on in training camp. Um, carrying two kickers during training camp has its advantages and disadvantages. Advantage for the team, because you could cut one at any given time to you know get another body in there if you get banged up at other positions. And a disadvantage for the kickers, because you can be cut at any given time if any other position on your this football team gets banged up. And we saw that Elliot Fry, expendable, and you know, you go through this thing and Maher, if you don't, you know, wake up and get this thing going and miss another one here, they'll probably be looking in a completely different direction where you might almost seal your fate and get through training camp just to get cut right after the 53-man rosters are released by these other teams. Yeah, Maher's got the leg. He dialed in a 59-yarder yesterday at practice with room to spare, probably seven, eight yards to spare. So he's got the leg. Does he have the mental clarity? Does he have the focus? I mean, I saw his face during the game. They, they, they had a close-up on his face before he went to kick. He looked like he was terrified. <laughs> and you don't want that on your, on your kicker's face. You want to see a steel trap mine like Matt Prater on the other side. He missed a kick. But did you see his face after he missed it? It did get blocked. It got deflected a little mm. bit. But he's just yeah, stone-faced. It didn't matter to him. He, he has confidence. I just want my kicker to have confidence. You want everybody to have confidence stepping out there on that football field. But the mindset of a kicker, is it's wild, man. Every kicker that I've ever been around in my entire career, having conversations with those guys and finding out just kind of what makes them tick and their thought process with certain things, it's it's crazy. You talk about Matt Prater. I remember Matt Prater coming up to me during the middle of games saying his goodbyes after missing a field goal when I was a part of the Broncos team. And you're looking at him like, shut the heck up. Like We're trying to, we're, play, a we're trying to play a game. Yeah. But also like, hey, we're like up by three right now. Like, we, like we're still trying to win this thing. We haven't lost this thing. So uh, I've always looked at the kicker in the NFL like the goaltender in the NHL where you don't really want to mess around with it, what's going on from the neck up with those guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sean Payton was asked uh, how important leg strength is for kickers. Here he is. We'll get a feel. I mean, he, he's hitting it well. He's got good leg talent. We always wait for game day and then before the start of the game, you know, Ben or Mike will tell me, hey, we're 35 yard line this direction and we're 38 going the other way. Maybe it's a heavy wind and it's 30, one way, 40. So I'll always know kind of where the yard line is, not only for us then, and then conversely I'll ask, you know, where is it for the opponent when we're defending? That came up last week. You know, are they in range yet? And, you know, Ben right away is like he's got the leg for this. So that's something, you know, we do on a, a game week, the day of the game. But obviously there's more carry here. I don't know what the one field goal was he hit, but it, I think it was 59. So, you know, we'll just get a feel for how he's hitting it and, you know, what, what are the conditions. Listen to the level of detail with which this guy, the head coach, Sean Payton, talks about the kicking game. This is clearly a, a man who understands the value of special teams. And he chose to part ways with Brandon McManus, knowing full well how important it is. Just let that sink in for a second. All right. We're here live from Training Camp 2023 in the DenverSports.com zone. Thanks to our friends from Con Construction, commercial general contractor specializing in tenant improvement and design build projects for over three decades. That's Con, K-A-H-N, Construction.com. 
Um, B Mac just catching strays out here from you, huh? Well, no. Everybody after the game was like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh, we should have never." Like it was Twitter lit up about Brandon McManus and how what a big mistake it was to let him go and that kind of thing. And clearly, uh, it was a calculated move by this team. They didn't want the dude around anymore for whatever reason, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's on the field, off the field, or a combination of both. Yeah, that's all. That's all. Get, We're gonna be you. fine. Yeah, they're going. Bmac is not the key to the Broncos' success. Yeah, the Broncos will be fine. This just train, unfortunately, moves on without Bmac. Great player, great human yeah, being. Great dude. Was here for a long time, but his time is expired as a Denver Bronco. And he'll make a ton of money, and he'll stay in the league for a, another decade he if he wants to. As long as he doesn't do the same stuff there that he did here later in his career. Just kick. Yeah. Just make your kicks, man. And you're a made man. But what about Greg Dulcich? Where is he at? Oh, I mean, what is the plan for a dude like him who has so much potential in the past game but continues to struggle in the running game? We'll have that discussion next.